and paying close attention. I want you to open up your Bibles to the book of Philippians. Philippians. It's between Genesis and Revelation, all right? So you'll find it real easy. Book of Philippians, and I want you to open up to Philippians chapter 4. Philippians chapter 4, and we're going to look at there real quick about something very special and something that hopefully is going to help you out this morning. Philippians chapter 4, I'm going to have some of you read, all right? So I want two young men to read verses 1. One will read verse 1, and one will read verse 2, and I want two young ladies, one to read verse 3, and one to read verse 4. Can I have a volunteer? Do we have any? All right, so two young men, two young men. Let's see here, let's see here. So you'll read verse 1, okay? And you'll read verse 2. And then two young ladies, one to read verse 3. You can read verse 3, you'll read verse 4, all right? And then I need one more to read verse 6 for me, verse 6. Is there someone that could be either a young man or a young lady? Verse 6, all right, if you can read that for me. Everyone found it? If you found it, say hallelujah. hallelujah. If not, say mercy. Ooh, you still need to find it then. Oh, my. <laughs> all right, it's in the Bible, I promise you. Okay, very good. Everyone found it? Okay, here's what we're going to do. I'm going to have you all stand up one more time. Just get the blood flowing as we read from the Word of God. And the first one can start reading. Verse 2. Syntyche. You got it, man. <laughs> Verse 3. You got it. Very good. Verse 4. That was an easy one, wasn't it? <laughs> and then verse 6. Very good. Now, let's all read verse 4 together. You ready for this? You guys know this. There's even a song about this. You ready? We're going to read at the count of three. Ready? One, two, three. Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say rejoice. You can be seated. And let's have a word of prayer. You ready? Close your eyes, bow your head, and let's pray. Dear Father, thank you so much for this time. Pray you'll bless it. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, one of the wonderful things I love about the book of Philippians is because it talks about a big theme. There's a wonderful theme in the book of Philippians. Now, can anyone guess with your hand raised, what is the theme that you find in the book of Philippians? What is that? Oh, you got it, gold star. Rejoice in the Lord. It talks about... Joy! How many are happy this morning? Do we have any happy souls this morning? You're like, we're in school. How can you be happy about this? I mean, when I get to math, ugh, my world crumbles and falls apart. I understand how you feel. But you know what? Paul here is not talking about rejoicing because you're in school. He's talking about rejoicing because we have a person we can rejoice in. Now, can someone tell me with your hand raised, who is that person that we can rejoice in? Who is that? That's right. Jesus Christ is the reason why we can rejoice. He is the reason that gives us the joy that we have. Now, have you seen Mr. Seth? Does he look like a poor soul? Does he look pretty sad? 
Now, sometimes I am not a morning person, so sometimes I've got to get some caffeine into my veins and that'll get me going. But you know what? The happiness that I feel does not come based on what's going on in my life, but it comes because it's based on a person and his name is Jesus Christ. That's why Paul is talking about here about how we base our joy on a person. His name is Jesus. Now I'm looking to see a young man who's sitting up nice and straight and paying close attention. Let me see a young lady who's also sitting up nice and straight. Everyone is doing a great job. I'm going to need some help from some of you pretty soon. You know what? Jesus Christ is the fountain of unlimited joy. And you know what? Jesus Christ's joy lasts forever. You know, we live in a world where people, they are trying to find their joy in so many things. They're trying to find their joy in money. They're trying to find their joy in other people. They're trying to find their joy in trying to be popular. They're trying to find their joy in doing good stuff. And you know, they try to find their joy in so many things, but you know what the Bible says is that that joy doesn't last forever. The Bible says is that that joy will last. You know, the Bible says in the book of James that our life is something very short. You know, our life is something kind of like a flicker of light that is here for a moment and then it's gone like that because our life is that short. We don't have our life guaranteed. And you know what? That's what the Bible says, talks about how life is short. You know, life can be a lot like a bubble. How many of you like bubbles? Well, you know, bubbles are something very special. I love bubbles. Sometimes if you, if you're, if you, don't, if you don't see me around, I'm in the corner making sure no one's looking. I'm blowing bubbles because I'm having so much fun because I love them so much. But you know, bubbles are something very special. You know, a bubble, especially when you do it in the sunlight, Bubbles can really give out a wonderful glimmer. I love bubbles. <laughs> Isn't it so beautiful? <laughs> bubbles make me very happy. Now, if you do it all the time, I would be worried, especially if you're a college student. But you know what? Bubbles are something very beautiful. But you know what? The one thing about life is that life is a lot like a bubble. You know, people base their joy and the joy that they try to find in the things of this world, in this life alone, it's a lot like basing their joy on a bubble. You know, bubbles can look very pretty. And when you look at a bubble, you think, man, I hope this bubble can last forever. But you know what the truth is? Is that a bubble will pretty soon pop because it's that fragile. Bubbles don't last that long. And the truth is, is that a bubble will not last because the only thing that's actually going to last in this life is one thing and that is your soul. Your soul is the one thing that's truly going to last in this life. Whatever you do for eternity is what truly lasts forever. So that's why Paul here is saying that whatever you base your life on this life, if you base your joy on this life, it's not going to last. But if you base it on something eternal like Jesus, it's going to last forever. And no one can ever take it away. But you know what? The wonderful thing is that Paul talks about how we should base our joy in Jesus, but then he also talks about we should, there is a, something special when we invest in the work of Jesus Christ. And there's three types of joys that we get 
people want to invest in the work of Jesus Christ. I want to share it with you right now. You ready for this? Are you ready? All right. Everyone do like this. All right. Very good. Here we go. I'm going to ask for a, a helper right now. Um, I'll ask actually one of my teachers. Could you help me out real quick? You know, the first joy that we can get, I'm going to have you hold this, this smiley face right there. You know, the first joy that we can get when we invest God's work is that when you start investing and serving the Lord and giving your life to Christ, you know, the first joy you're going to find is that there is a great joy in sowing the seed. Mm-hmm. Now, how many of you ever done farming before? How many of you ever planted something before in your life? How many of you ever planted something? When you plant something, what do you have to do in order for the plant to grow? What do you have to do? Can someone tell me? What do you have to do? Do you know? That is very good. You have to water it. And what is it that help makes it grow? What is that little, small, little thing that makes it grow? Yes, sir. Yes, it's a seed. You have to plant the seed in order for it to grow. And sometimes the plant will grow to become a tree. And that tree will bring forth a lot of fruit. Sometimes they'll bring bananas, apples, mangoes, coconuts, so many wonderful things. You know what? There's a great joy when you sow, when you plant a seed. And the seed I'm talking about is not an apple tree seed. This seed is a spiritual seed. It's called the seed of the gospel. Now, can someone tell me what does the gospel mean? What does it mean? Yeah. Yes, that's right. But it's more than that. What does the word gospel mean? Can someone, do we have someone older who can help me out with that? What does the word gospel mean? Yes. Good news. It means the good news. And you know what the good news is? The good news is that Jesus Christ is the salvation from all of our sins. You know, Mr. Seth, when he was about five years old, he, asked, he made a decision. He grew up in church all of his life, and he wanted to make a decision to be part of the family of God. He wanted to ask Jesus to save him from his sin. But you know what the truth is, is that Mr. Seth didn't really understand what he was doing. He just wanted to be part of the club. And you know what? I didn't realize that I had a problem. And that problem is called sin. You see, my life was a lot like this rope. There's a beginning and there's an end. And you know, in my rope, there is a not problem. And that problem is called sin. You know, sin is anything you think, say, or do that breaks God's law. Every lie, every cheating, every time we want to get even with someone who did us wrong, every time we want to talk bad, every thought of our mind that doesn't bring glory to God, even when we make certain idols. Did you know video games can become an idol? Did you know someone else, a relationship can become an idol? Anything that takes our energy and becomes a focus more than God becomes idols in our lives. And you know what? The Bible said that all of us are sinners. I was a sinner too. doesn't matter how much I played piano in my church. I could wear the right clothes, but I was still a sinner. I did not have the joy. It was until one day someone sowed the seed of the gospel in my life. And that seed brought forth fruit. You know what that was? Someone told me the good news about how I can be saved from my sin. Because you know what? To that point, I was trying so hard to be saved from my sin. You know, sin, just like you see in this this, this dark silk here, sin had a bind on my life. Sin trapped me. And no matter how hard I tried, I thought, I'm going to try to get to God in so many ways. 
But no matter how I tried, sin kept me from reaching to God. You know, I thought, well, you know what? I mean, that's not possible. I, I, there's got to be a way. There's got to be a way for sure that I can be able to be saved from my sin. So you know what? I, I, I know I'm going to do some good stuff. That's going to save me from my sin. And so I thought good stuff would guarantee me a place in heaven with God. And so I try to be better. I try to be good. I try to memorize more verses. I try to be the best student ever. And you know, those things are not wrong, but no matter how hard I tried, it will not get the knot of sin out of my life. You know, okay, well, that didn't work. Okay, let me think here. Uh, oh, I know, I know. If I make sure I'm very successful, I've got a lot of money, I pay the church a lot of money, I give a lot of offerings, I do that stuff, then that will make sure I can be safe from my sin. Then God will be really happy with me. And I tried as hard as I could. But it didn't guarantee me salvation from my sins. <sighs> I'm getting exhausted here. There's got to be a way. Oh, I know. This is the way. If I have a certain title, maybe if they name me a Sunday school teacher, then that will guarantee me a place in heaven with God. If I am a somewhat important in this life, then that makes mean I can be saved from my sin. Oh, even one day if I become a pastor, maybe I can be saved from my sin. And I tried so hard. I thought if you were important in this life, you could be saved. But no matter how hard I tried, I could not be saved from my sin. It was at one point when I had to realize that Jesus Christ came to this earth for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son and I had to realize that as for by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves it is the gift of God, not of works lest any man should boast. So when I put my faith and trust in Jesus Christ, that he came and he took away the blood of sin from my life. And he gave me direct access to God. And you know what the wonderful thing is, is that Jesus Christ then took my heart that was dark with sin. And you know what? He came and made something new. He did something that no one else could have done. He gave me a new heart. He gave me a clean heart. And that heart, that new heart, I became part of the family of God. And that's what gave me direct access to God. That is the good news of the gospel. That is the good news. And that is the seed that we need to be planting out of people's lives. Because you know, when I heard that, it changed my life. And the gospel changes lives too. The gospel can change your life. Just because you're in a Christian school does not mean you have a place in heaven with God. You know, there are many kids I know, myself included, who grew up in a Christian home all their life, but they never had their name in the book of life because they thought that their parents were going to save them or their church or the good stuff they did. I know college students who were studying college all their life. My brother was one of them. And one day he realized that he wasn't saved from his sin. You know, the, God's purpose is to save us all from our sin so we can have a place in heaven with him. That's where we can find first the true joy. But you know, there's a joy in being saved from our sin. But not only that, there is joy when then we share those good news with other people. Sowing the seed of the gospel. You know, one day my dad was studying in college and one day my dad walked outside of his college classes and he went and he saw on the windshield of his car, he saw this track on the windshield of his car. And he grabbed the track and threw it in there and forgot about it. And two weeks later, he was cleaning out his car and he found the track again. And he read it and read it and read it 
and read it. And finally, one day, he asked Jesus Christ to save him from his sin because someone left a track on his car. After that, my dad, he was in the Catholic church and he left the Catholic church, went to the church where the track was from. He got baptized at that church. He went to the Bible college at that church. He surrendered to become a missionary. He met my mom while in college. They both decided to become missionaries to Brazil. After I was born, when I was a year old, we went down there. And now many years later, I'm here because somebody left a gospel track on the windshield of my dad's car. Who knows who could have been? It could have been one of you. It could have been someone your age. It could have been a college student. It could have been a high schooler. We don't know who it was. And one day we hope to meet that person in heaven. But whoever it was, oh, what a joy that they sowed the seed. You know what? There's a great joy when you sow the seed too. You say, Mr. Seth, I'm shy. I'm not as extrovert as you. I can't do special tricks. You don't have to do it. God wants to use you as you are. All you have to do is be faithful and sow the seed. Are you sowing the seed? You don't have to be the best eloquent person. All you have to do is sometimes just pull a track out of your pocket. Maybe you're going to the supermarket. Just hand it to a person. You never know how this can change someone's life for eternity. There's a great joy. You know, when Paul here in this verse, when Paul is writing this letter, He's thinking about all those people who asked Jesus Christ to save from their sin. And you know what he's thinking about? When he's writing that, he's thinking, wow, when I think about all those people who asked Jesus Christ to save them from their sin, and I got to be a part of that, I got to sow the seed in those people's lives. You know what happened? That makes me feel so happy because I got to be a part of that. You get to be a part of that too. Imagine when God uses your life to bring a friend to Jesus. Doesn't that bring a great joy when you see how God can use your life like that? He does. There is joy in sowing the seed. But we got to be faithful in sowing the seed. I'm going to ask another teacher to help me out. Could you help me out? You know, there is joy in sowing the seed. I'm going to ask you to help me out and remember the three points, all right? The three joys. You ready for this? All right, so if you could stand right here. So first of all, we've got here, there is joy. Now help me out. In sowing the what? In sowing the what? Yes, the seed is the good news. The second joy we find is that there is great joy in supplication. Can you do that with me? Do like this. Supplication. Supplication. Now, what does supplication mean? That seems a big word. For some of you younger ones, that seems a pretty big word. Can one of the older students tell me, what does supplication mean? What is it you think it means? It's a pretty big word. Can someone tell me what does supplication mean? Anyone? Not everyone at once. Go ahead. That's very good. To make a request, or another word for that is prayer. There's great joy in prayer. And you know what the wonderful thing about it? Prayer and see those prayers get answered. There's great joy when I can talk to God and God answers back. You know, down in Brazil, I remember there's some churches down there, the Catholic churches, and you walk and there's people. There's even young kids your age. There's people of all ages, and they'll go to these churches in front of these big statues, and there's broken glass in front of the statue. And they'll kneel on top of the broken glass and make sure that their knees get all bloody and hurt and make sure they're crying enough so that they can make sure that the statue they think is a God is listening to them. 
and they think that that person's listening. But you know what the sad thing is, is the Bible says is that they are made of wood and of stone, but they cannot see or cannot hear or cannot speak. They're not real. We have a God who's real. And though we don't see him, he is alive. And you know, God listens to us and wants to answer us back. You know, I had one time a young man asked me once, he said, is it worth it serving God, giving your life full time? I mean, you could be doing so many other things. I mean, just think of all the money you can be gaining for yourself. Is it worth it? I mean, that seems pretty crazy that you don't know where you're going to go next. It seems pretty scary, actually. I'm glad I have, a, I have a good job that guarantees me pay, and I know exactly what I'm getting in. And I said, well, that's fine for you. I'm happy for you. But you know what? Let me tell you one thing. God never abandoned me. And God promised that he'll take care of those who he's called. You know why some people don't want to give? You know why? Because they don't trust God enough. They feel like it's their job to keep their money. And they don't trust God. That God is the one that gives the money and God is the one who takes away. You know, sometimes we think that if I keep back as much as I can, that then I'm doing better. I'm creating security for myself. But you know what? God wants to do something special. He wants to take something out of what you don't think is much and he wants to make it into something. He wants to take out of nothing and make it into something. And you know what the wonderful thing is, is that God wants to do something special in your life. He wants to be able to take something and he wants to be able to, as he takes, as you give back to him and trust him. And as you make sure you follow God's lead, he'll take something like that and he'll make it multiply. And that's how he always does. He takes care of those who trust in him. And you know, the wonderful thing is, is that when we put our trust in him and bring our prayers, any need we have, we can be sure that he's going to answer. And there's a great joy when he answers our prayer. You know, if you're in school, you can say, you know, God, I'm stressed out. I've got too much pressure from tests. I, I don't know what's going on. I don't know where I'm going to go after I'm done with school. I don't know where I'm going to do when I'm in college. I don't know where I'm going to work. I don't know if I'm supposed to go into missions. I don't know if I'm supposed to do that. God doesn't want you to worry about that. You know what you can do? All you have to do is every day, at a certain time, any moment of the day actually, you can just bring your prayer to God and be sure and be at peace that he's going to answer. And he takes care of those who he's calling. He takes care of his children. And you know what? You're going to realize that there's a great joy when I bring my prayers to God and I see those prayers get answered. So you help me out here. We're going to finish up real quick, but help me out here. There is great joy in sowing the that's good. The second S of joy. You ready? There is great joy in? That is very good. And we got one more. One more. One more over here. Let me see here. Could you help me out? Yes? Thank you very much. We got one more joy. And this is the last joy, but not the least. You guys are doing a great job. The last joy we see is a very important joy. You know, Paul said in, in Philippians 4.4, what do he say? Rejoice in who? Always. And again, I say, he had to rejoice in the Lord. Does that mean he was trusting in himself? Who was he trusting in? The Lord. His joy was in the Lord. And in order for him to trust in the Lord, there has to be first 
a surrender. And that's where we see the last joy. There is joy in surrender. There's a great joy in surrender to God. I want you to remember this phrase. You ready? Joy in the life of a Christian is a product of our surrender to him. Now, some of you young ones is going to take some time to understand that. But I want you to already understand now this. Joy in the life of a Christian is a product of our surrender to him. You know, before you got saved, God's will for your life was for you to be saved from your sin. And you were going to have to surrender salvation to him. And after that, it's one surrender at a time. When you hear the word surrender, does it sound good? Doesn't sound good, huh? Can you imagine in World War II if America has surrendered to the Germans? Can you imagine that? That would have been defeat, right? It would have been horrible. We look at surrender as a bad thing. But can I tell you that in the Christian life, surrender is actually victory. There's actually great success in surrender. You know, we have people all around this life who are trying to figure out how to solve the puzzles of their life here on this earth. Could you help me out here? I'm going to give you 30 seconds, and I want you to figure out how to get this ring from out of the middle of these two horseshoes. Can you do that? All right. You don't? Wow, so confident. Well, I'll give you 30 seconds to try, all right, because God can use anybody, all right? So I'm going to give you 30 seconds to try this out. Go ahead. 30 seconds is counting. Try to get the ring out of the middle of two horseshoes. You know, we have people all around. They're trying to figure out how to solve the problems of their life. It's like a ring in the middle of two horseshoes. You know, there's, we've got young ladies who are wondering who they're going to marry one day. Or they're wondering where they're going to serve or how God's going to use them. We've got young men wondering how they're going to be able to get the right job. Or how they're going to be able to, if God can use them. Or if they're supposed to do this and that. We've got high schoolers. We've got junior high. We've got little kids. We've got people of all ages wondering, how am I going to solve? How am I going to pass my math test? How am I going to be able to solve these problems in my life? you got about 10 seconds, buddy. No pressure. And you are wondering how we're going to be able to solve the puzzles of my life. Five, four, three, two, one, zero. You got it? No. Good try. We'll stay right up here. Don't give up yet. You know what? To us, sometimes it looks so impossible. It looks so hard to figure out how am I going to solve the puzzle of my life. It just seems such a crazy idea. There's no way I can do it. But you know what? The puzzle to solve it, the solution is actually very simple. It's a very simple solution. Do you, you see that? Very simple. No, you didn't. You didn't see that. I'll give you 30 more seconds. All right. Let's see if you can do it this time. You ready for this? All right. I'll give you 30 more seconds. Opa. And let's see if you can do it this next time. I have confidence. I have faith that you can do this. All right. Very good. 30 more seconds. So people are trying to figure out how are they going to solve the problems of their life? How are they going to be able to do it? How to get the ring around the middle of two horseshoes? You know what? He's only going to be able to figure out the solution to his problem. You know how? When he gives it to the person who has the solution. When he gives it to the person who has the solution. When he gives it to the person who has the solution. 
when he gives it to the person who has the solution. Thank you. <laughs> and you know what? Stay right here. The moment he gives it up to the one who has a solution, that person will show them it was actually something very simple. It's not as impossible as he thought. Now, in our life, who's the one who has a solution for our life's problems? Who is it? That's right. God, Jesus Christ. It's only to the point when I give it up to him that he's going to take something that was impossible in my logic, in my knowledge to figure out, but that wasn't impossible to him. You know, up to the point when we give it up, we're going to be struggling this whole time, trying to figure out our future, trying to figure out where we're supposed to be in this life. We even doubt sometimes, there's maybe some of you in here who doubt your past. You think, I, God can't use me because I didn't grow up like some of these other kids did. But you know what? It doesn't matter. God brought you to where you are now to use you for something special. All you have to do is give it over to him. Stop trying to figure it out on your own. Stop trying to base your joy on your circumstances and on your knowledge. Give it up to him. Surrender to him. And he's going to take something that's impossible for you to figure out, but it's all possible with him. And he's going to show you how possible it is. And you know what's going to happen? Once you find a solution in Christ, you know what you're going to do? Then you're going to take, bring the next person who's struggling and going to show them and take them to Christ too and show them they can find a solution to him. And then she's going to take it to the next person. And then she's going to take the next person. And she's going to take it to the next person. And it's going to keep going until people will know about the solution, which is in Christ. But it all starts with one thing, and that is surrender. Let's give them a round of applause. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. We're going to have a word of prayer, and then we'll wrap things up. So I want you to help me out here real quick. You ready? What are the three joys we find when we are serving, investing in the work of the Lord, the first joy we find is that there is joy in sowing the what? That's right. The second joy we find is that there is joy in what? Supplication. Supplication. See, those prayers get answered. And then there's also joy in what? Surrender. Surrender. You're only going to know the next step of your life until you surrender to what he's already shown you today. For many of you, God's will is for you to be in school. He's training you right now. Don't worry about tomorrow. That's going to take care of itself. But just surrender to what he has for you today. Give it your best. Be the best student there can be. Give it your all. Trust that God's taking care of you. And be faithful in sowing the seed. And you'll be sure one day you're going to look back five, ten years from now, and you're going to look back to where you were here and where you are now, and you're going to say, wow, look where God brought me. Because I trusted in him. And I put my joy in him and I surrendered one day at a time. That is the beauty of investing and giving our life over into the Lord's work. Let's pray.